0: Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 11 through 14, and 19 through 25, the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 13, verse 1 through 8, and Psalm 16. May the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts always be acceptable to you O oh Lord amen sometimes sometimes preachers can have more resistance to some lessons than to other others and today was one of those days the we've been in a series of fairly heavy topics over the last several Sundays and I was ready for puppy dogs. (laughs) And that is not what the gospel is about. The gospel is very apocalyptic today. It's talking about destruction. It's talking about signs of the end times. And it also talks about birth pangs. But so thinking of those topics immediately took me back to one of a very clear memory of when I was in second grade. Second grade. And there had been a widespread prediction that the world was coming to an end. I don't have any idea what that was based on. It might be some calendar or some signs of different things, but it was something that was said on the news and in the local paper and on the radio. And thank heavens we didn't have more media than that. (laughs) But it was enough to register with the second grader. And I can remember going to sleep, or actually not going to sleep, but being very fearful that night. My home was not a home where you talked about fears or about feelings. So I felt very scared and very alone. And I lie awake with my heart pounding, wanting to see, would tomorrow come? Well, obviously tomorrow did come, but I think that was my first taste of some of the predictions that we encounter over and over in our culture. There are voices that will say, okay, this is a sign of the end times coming. This is a sign that we have been waiting for. This is a sign of total destruction. And as Christians, we have a different view of it. We have a view of God's kingdom. We have a view of the promise that may accompany this. But there's still, we see these words of destruction, and it's very, very sobering. So when I mentioned we've had some heavy lessons this week, and I was, I was enjoying Phil's comment about seeing bright colors, because yes, I'm grateful for bright colors, And I'm also remembering his words last week about how we will tend to feel the need to apologize if we're feeling hard feelings. And I felt this intense need to apologize for the words that I'm going to be saying next. But here we go. So in recent chapters, um, we've been hearing of Jesus's return to Jerusalem, his challenging of the power structure in the temple, We heard of his cleansing of the temple, his overturning the tables of the money changers, turning over the seats of those who sold doves. He's accusing them. He's accusing them of creating a den of robbers out of what was meant to be a sacred space for all. And it is this temple that he has returned to again. The chief priests are angry. They're plotting his death. But he is visited again, and in this gospel lesson, he is walking out with one of his disciples. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever had the situation of walking with someone, finding yourself next to someone who you have great respect for, great admiration for, there's a tendency to want to say something. I mean, here is like this opportunity to engage. And this disciple says, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings? I mean, that's not the most profound statement, but it had to feel pretty safe, a pretty safe entry spot. (laughs) But that kind of tone is not what the disciple received in return. Jesus responds, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another all will be thrown down. No longer does this building feel like a safe topic. And after marveling at the size of the structure, we can only imagine that to the disciple, Jesus's words were pretty alarming indeed. We build things. We still build things. We vision these amazing, inspirational buildings to glorify God, and many of those take generations to complete, and frequently the architect does not even live to see their completion. We build other structures for other purposes. We build them as a statement of success, endurance, identity. They serve purposes for work, education, housing, gathering, celebrations, monuments to those individuals and ideals we hold high. And yet, they are all temporary. They are all temporary. Our intellects know this. Our intellects know this. We've studied history. We've studied archaeology. Buildings don't last forever. Nothing human beings create lasts forever Yet we seem to hold that fleeting nature of what we construct, that fleeting nature of it at bay. Yet, at least for me and maybe for for some of you, when I read this passage of a building of such prominence becoming destroyed, the threat of it becoming destroyed, my mind immediately went to those images of the destruction of the Twin Towers, the tragic destruction due to terrorism that so many of us witnessed just over 20 years ago. I think any of us who saw those massive concrete structures suddenly seem to evaporate in midair will never ever forget that image. And we were watching it, many of us from a safe distance, be it in Ohio or be it elsewhere. I was watching it from a corporate office building. I can't imagine how visceral it is still carried within those who were near. Within that national and international tragedy, there were thousands upon thousands of individual tragedies. We don't just build buildings, we also build Lives, We build families. We build careers, futures, dreams. The victims, their loved ones, the first responders, know this all too well. It wasn't about the destruction of those buildings that people suffered most. It was the lives that were lost. Lives were lost, and lives of survivors were changed forever. And humanity grieved. Our country shifted course. Our military, always responsive to protect and serve, was called into new action. More lives would continue to be impacted around the world. More destruction would occur. Yesterday, during our diocesan convention, Bishop Smith spoke of the continuing impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. He described the fierceness of the battle we have been engaged in, comparing its impact on our country in terms of loss of life and ongoing trauma to the Battle of Antietam. COVID eclipses that mightily. Bishop Smith spoke of how Antietam had impacted generations, not just those who were present, but the generations to come. We have no idea how this pandemic will alter our lives going forward, but we have direct experience of the changes witnessed or experienced in the last 20 months. The deep grief, profound loss we've experienced during this time, be it loss of a loved one, loss of connections with people due to distance, isolation, loss of employment, loss of the normal educational experiences, loss of business, loss of collegiality, loss for a good while of not being able to meet together as a community. Loss of the very simplest routines of our lives. Bishop Smith cautioned us not to rush past sorrow. Not to rush past sorrow. It is our instinctive response. As Phil was preaching last week, we want to get past it. We want others to get past it. To get on to the next thing. To get back to normal. To get back to our comfort. Bishop Smith encouraged us not to leave our grief undone, to acknowledge what has been lost, what may still be lost. And we all risk destruction of the temples we have created, whatever form they take, and we cannot dwell on the fear of that. There is no life in such worry, but we know it. We know it just the same. We know our creations are fragile things. We build them as strong as we can and we nurture them as we must, but we recognize that fragility. A phone call with a diagnosis that was totally unexpected. A fall taking a simple walk an accident or loss of a loved one, loss of a relationship during these very, very grumpy times. All of these things are losses that can bring us to our knees. But the message of the Gospels, despite all of this message of destruction, is always one of salvation, always one of salvation and the assurance We are not alone. And the awareness of that seems to frequently be at its strongest when we are feeling at our weakest, when we do not know what to do, when we feel vulnerable and otherwise alone. So despite all these words of destruction and conflict, the predictions of the end to come, Jesus says, this is but the beginning of the birth pangs, the birthing of something new. And I found myself hanging onto that line for dear life. Throughout Mark, Jesus teaches of the coming of God's kingdom. Through Jesus, we understand God's kingdom as not some distant vision but something our divine creator continues to bring forth in our lives, even now. Even in the darkest moments, something is waiting to come forth, bringing new life. As I was reading about the memorial of the World Trade Center site, I came across a reference to the survivor tree. Perhaps some of you are familiar with it or may have even seen it. The tree, the calorie pear tree, was found amid the rubble in October of 2001. Then it was badly burned and damaged. It was only eight feet tall. It had only one branch that showed any signs of life. In November, it was removed by the city to be taken care of and to be given a replanting in a nursery in the Bronx. That replanting happened on November 11th, 2001. There was little hope it would survive, but just enough hope to try. That spring, it showed some new growth and continued to be cared for. In 2010, it experienced more trauma it was uprooted during a fierce storm. Again, it was replanted, given another chance. In December 2010, now at the height of 30 feet, the survivor tree was replanted at the World Trade Center Memorial. It was replanted for all to see. The survivor tree, a sign of hope a sign of life after such tragic destruction. Beginning in 2013, a survivor tree seedling program was created. Each year, seedlings from the survivor tree are given to three communities around the world that have endured great tragedy. In recent years, these have included Haiti, Park Lane, Florida, Las Vegas, Christchurch, New Zealand. Most recently, the World Health Organization received a seedling for its response to COVID-19. So yes, there are times when the world seems to be falling apart. The world on a global, national, local, or very personal level may seem to be falling apart. And yet, there are signs of life. There are birth pangs as well. Advent is quickly approaching, a time for waiting and wonder and expectation of new life. We will share the story of Mary and Joseph and the angels and the coming of Christ into the world. God's creative energy knows no limits. And we are invited to partake as well. So whatever has been destroyed in our worlds, we must grieve. But through the tears and pain of grief, let us keep our eyes and hearts open to the signs of hope, the signs of new life, the miracles God is still bringing forth in our lives. Amen.